What's up, y'all? It's your girl, Miss Mojo, and my partner, Peter, please. Peter, what's going on? Thirsty, hot, muggy. It's summertime, y'all. Oh, my God. It's summer in New York City. Ah! Oof. I'm wet. I'm Oof. wet. Literally. I'm wet. Respectfully. Peter, it was 90 American degrees this weekend. American? Saturday and Sunday. American Oof. degrees. Fahrenheit. Fahrenheit. Baby, I'm not gonna lie to you. It was feeling like raw sex outside. Like <gasps> raw sex. Oh, yes. <laughs> Yo, but I was telling people, like, you know, so the past couple of episodes, I've been bragging about being trade free, trade free this, trade free that. <laughs> but, baby, fuck all that. Like, I'm done with that. Oh. Um, the trade is back in my life abundantly. You know, Her. I think my little trip to Atlanta for the clubhouse link up um, showed me that missing out on the D is not for me. So Her. I am back full force. And, you know, these menses is sniffing up my skirt. And I'm letting them sniff, honey. Okay? I'm letting them sniff. But what's up in your world? Talk to me. Oh, I mean, girl, you talked about it earlier, but recovering from what was this pose finale. Um, Mm -hmm. Mercury was in reggaeton, full effect. No, I thought Mercury was in micro braids. No. It was in full-on micro braid. God damn. I was an emotional mess. But, you know, we were safe, but definitely in some... What's typical of the Scorpio, right? Being in the ether and all the feels and the depths of death and... All that other shit. Did you say Scorpio holes? That's what you said? I, I, uh, was that a subliminal? Did I say Scorpio? Ooh. I might have. Maybe. Okay. Who knows? Can't recall. Well, <laughs> I just think that um, I'm very excited for the summer. Um, New York City is opening back up. I think they said July 1st. Oof. So, less than a month away. Oh, gosh. Um... It is scary. It's a scary feeling. But I feel personally that New York City has been open, honey. Like, no shade. <laughs> but I will say we are one of the few cities that still wear masks publicly. So, you know, if that mm. means anything to you, it means something to me. Mm. We got something. <laughs> yeah. You have any summer plans? What's the swing calendar this summer? Oh. Uh, I might step outside a couple times. Who knows? <laughs> We'd love to see it. All right, so we have a hot, hot, hot lineup today. Let's get into hot topics. Let's do it. It's Hot Topics. Today's program says Issa Rae and Lauren London, Terry McMillan, Russell Simmons, and the Pose finale. <laughs> um, we're sneaking this in. This wasn't originally there, but we had to because it was just so <sighs> impactful. So we're just going to decompress with that a little bit as much as we can. So 
Let's start off with Issa Rae and Lauren London. So Issa Rae talked about how Nipsey Hussle helped in the feud between her and Lauren London. Oh. Issa Rae and her recent Vanity Fair cover story credits the late Nipsey Hussle for mending her and actress Lauren London's relationship. Ray mentions in her best-selling book, Awkward Black Girl, how TV executives suggested that London play the lead character in the HBO series Insecure, based on a YouTube series, The Misadventures of Awkward Black Girl. Now, Ray called out London by name and referred to her as that actress slash video girl slash Little Wayne's baby mother. And Lauren, she wasn't feeling that. She took that very, very, you know, offensively. <sighs> the revelation brought up controversy and dialogue about colorism and how it affects casting the lead people in black sitcoms and how despite the lack of talent, skills or experience, colorism can play a factor in checking off a box for diversity and television. Now, I will say I did not follow the Awkward Black Girl um, YouTube series because I didn't know about it. But I was introduced to Issa Rae on Insecure. And baby, let me tell you something. I am so happy that as a dark-skinned black woman, she was able to advocate for herself and to... um, bring this show to life on the big screen in a way it should have been brought mm. you know a lot of times I feel like we see the casting of biracial or lighter skinned black women and then it becomes a big debate on social media about colorism but people don't understand that the colorism starts behind the scenes you know what I'm saying like the executives really feel like okay you know we're doing black but we're doing respectable black we're doing safe black black. Mm -hmm. this type of black exactly Mm -hmm. you know and it's a big thing in Hollywood so for me it's been the first show in a while where a black woman was the lead her best friend was a black woman and they were both dark skinned not Mm. the first time but it was refreshing to see what are your thoughts on this I think of instantly like what was it Uh, the, the switches of the Aunt Vivian's Right. Yes, the obvious. Um, mm-hmm. And it's good to see dark skin representation on TV, not the typical. What's been the biracial family with the the what is it? I'm trying to think of like so many sitcoms that have featured us. Mixed dish. Yes. Um, basically the whole three C hair texture. Yes, universe. precisely. Mm-hmm. Now again, you you know you bring up a good point. The who's at the table. Who's producing? There was this one clip, I think, of Matt Damon talking to. I cannot remember this person's name, but I think he was supposed to executive produce for a show uh, that had a black cast, mm-hmm. and he had said something to the lines of, "When we're talking about diversity, you, you do it in the casting of the film, not in the casting of the show." Whew. Wow. Okay. Sick. And from what I understand, Issa Rae's picked up the production. I don't know the name of the production offhand. Oh, okay. Um, it escapes me. But again, it just brings, speaks to the greater point of we have representation on TV and media, but again, are we at the table making decisions and pushing it forward? So I'm glad that we have Issa, right, at the mm-hmm. forefront and others that are just, you know, putting our stories out there and, and, and doing it right, for real. Right, exactly. And it feels good to see, right? Like, yes. So I'm not saying that dark-skinned people are the only people who deserve to be but dark-skinned people deserve to be absolutely like it's it's a pattern and we can sit there and we can name it as such because it is you know there was an episode in which lauren london starred in um i may be lying i think that was kyla pratt never mind we're gonna move on to terry mcmillan (laughs) (laughs) 
probably. So Terry McMillan temporarily deactivated her Twitter account after unsolicited comments on people in the LGBTQIA community coming out publicly. Now, Terry McMillan, known for her novel Waiting to Exhale, took to Twitter to discuss her disdain for celebrities being public with their sexual identity. So, I think this was in reference to the Billy Porters of the world, mm. the Demi Lovatos of the world. Um, her tweet came soon after actor singer Billy Porter came forward to the public that he has been living with HIV for the last 14 years. Now, Billy Porter plays Pray Tell on Pose. Mm. McMillan has had a history of being homophobic after her ex-husband slash muse for the book turned film How Stella Got Her Groove Back came out as gay during their marriage. Now, if you're a 90s girl, you know all about this story, child. You know, it was a big scandal publicly about how the man was gay. He was also fine, you know, but he was gay. People talked about he did what he did to become a citizen in America and X, Y, and Z. But, Mm. Peter, I want to know your thoughts because I know you're not that in tune with the Terry McMillan (laughs) universe. I'm not. I am not. Um, It just sounds like old generation trying to... make sense of their truth in a way but still not taking the truth of others um yeah i would say that we're we're from a similar era although again not aging you nor am i asking your age respectfully but i i think that we know when our elders speak and say certain things that they're still held on to these really archaic um fucked up beliefs of who they think queer folks are how we live um it's the othering for me it's the othering precisely Mm -hmm. so i don't know girl you should have just stayed quiet you know what i'm saying you didn't need to to really comment at all Um, right right your story is not the story that's typical in queer community and Mm -hmm. you know your story unfortunately has pushed the stereotype of the dl person exactly girl you played yourself it was funny to me because um you know, I live for Terry McMillan. I really didn't put two and two together and link, you know, her homophobia as being what it was. Because I still look at her in the light of, yes, Terry McMillan, you know, how Stella got her groove back in X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Um, but for me, I think the smoke is never for homophobia. The smoke is never for queer phobia. You know, it's always for individuals. But the reality is, we didn't create the closets. Y'all did, right? And as an adult, looking back, you know, whether you, whether that man, quote unquote, lied to you about his sexuality, you still fell in love with that man enough to get him over to America. So was that love dependent on his heteronormativity or was it just depending on him? You know, these are the questions. And it's very telling how when anybody who's not LGBTQ, you know, speaks out because it's like, okay, you're waiting for these tokens to exercise your homophobia. But in 2021, baby, black Twitter is on that ass, you know? So I'm sure these conversations are still being had in kitchen table talk settings, but online, honey, they will come for you every single Clubhouse time. Clubhouse like, is a baby. fucking hotbed for that conversation in Hot, so many fucking bed. ways. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a room upon room upon room of trans this or gay that in terms of 
Should they be able to do this? Should be able to play sports? Should is it gay for someone to do this? If you're still in oh this God. type of relationship dynamic, like what? The they said is it gay fuck? for men to drink pink lemonade? I'm gay as shit. Then fuck that. My God, you're That's obsessed. It. Like you're really obsessed with the community. If drinking pink lemonade is gay, well, goddamn it, I think more people will be gay than we actually can count. So. Moving on, Russell Simmons. Now, this is a doozy, so follow me. Now, Kamali and her husband, Tim Lesnar, are being sued by Lee's ex-husband, Russell Simmons, for fraud. Allegedly, Lee and Lesnar transferred funds sent to them by Simmons for shares in an energy drink, Celius. Now, both Lee and Simmons invested millions of dollars into the brand. But it was, the transfer was to pay for a bond and connection with criminal charges against Lesnar for the feds. Now, Lee stated in response to the lawsuit that the suit itself was harassment by the hands of serial abuser Simmons. Now, people have called out Lee's choice of words as she in the past has defended her ex when allegations of sexual abuse, rape, and misconduct surfaced by over a dozen women that took place before, during, and after the years of their relationship. Lee was quoted as saying, The allegations against Simmons are nothing like the person I have known in all that time. I have known him to be a caring and supporting father and someone who has worked tirelessly to uplift disenfranchised communities. Now, Simmons is being accused of fleeing to Bali. A lot of people didn't know Russell's over in Bali, y'all. Bali, Indonesia, to avoid ongoing investigations into these allegations of abuse. Bali does not have an extradition treaty with the United States. He has appeared virtually in several things like verses as a quote-unquote surprise guest and in the comments during the events. He has been unsolicitedly uplifted and credited for his contribution to these artists' careers. Now, hip-hop has been called to the forefront to hold abusers accountable, including the ones who are staples to the growth of the industry and culture. The question is lingering on when will hip-hop truly have its Me Too movement? Hmm. Let that digest. Let that digest. Because when I sit here and think about the Africa Bambadas of the world, the Russell Simmons of the world, you know, I can't allegedly. Yeah. But I would add some other names, but I don't have those receipts yet. But the abuse in hip hop, I believe people felt that it would happen for them the way it has happened for white people. Um, and political and professional industries. Like a retribution. Right. But the thing about abuse, honey, you do not get to tell your victims how to feel and how to react. Mm. So I do believe that it's interesting the ways in which Kamora Lee Simmons, um, another mixed woman, you know, was caping for her man until it came down on her. It's very interesting. I get it. You know, that's your ex-husband, father of your children, your life partner at one point. So I get it, but it's very telling, you know, because when the allegations came out, and believe me, it was over a dozen women, mm-hmm. it was, no, nah, that's not who he is. But the damage is already done. So you can say that's not who he is, but that was how he was, allegedly. I'm just saying... Um, I always stand with the 
victims. Absolutely. Never with the abusers. Absolutely. Even if it's someone I love and care about. Someone is saying something about you. And we need to figure out why, number one. And two, what is what does healing look like for the victims? What do they want? You know, is it money? Give them some money. Is it counseling? Give them some counseling. Is it for you to admit to doing it wrong publicly? Do that. That's how mm-hmm. I stand. Mm-hmm. How you feel? I mean, I feel the same. I really mm-hmm. feel the same. I think to really target the abuse that the hip-hop industry has inflicted, specific, specifically on femmes, on black femmes right. at that, Right. It, it is... Ms. Mojo, we're talking about almost 40 years of this shit. 40 years. So it's like, how many stories have not been told? How many stories have not been shared? How much abuse has been tolerated in the shadows? And I think, unfortunately, most of us know it. You know? Yeah. If you want to throw in, of course, the, the element mimicking white supremacy, when we have your favorite politician, that's white. Um, you have your... Insert Anthony Weiner. Insert baby Andrew Cuomo. Allegedly, you have, you know, d- oh, I don't even want to say that nigga's name, but you know what I'm fucking talking about. Cheeto, Cheeto man. Mm-hmm. When these folks get onto their podiums and they read their PR-approved speeches that don't take accountability, number one, because it always puts it on the victim. It's like if you felt that I did something to hurt you, not oh, I am taking accountability for what I did, right? Mm -hmm. It's always the onus upon the victim to cope with not only the guilt and the shame, but the pressure of, I caused this somehow, some way. It's my fault, not the person who was the aggressor towards me. So in order to have a reckoning in hip hop, it's to ask those uncomfortable questions and really have these conversations in public forums Mm -hmm. talking about sexual abuse and hip hop. Like in in the in the in the in the ways that it just in manifest. It gets deep. Like you know, there's certain songs, for example, that I don't play because they'll depict lines of sexual assault. Mm-hmm. Or they are related to folks who are um guilty of sexual assault, like or some sort of abuse towards black femmes. Hashtag mute R. Kelly. You know what I'm saying? Like so when will that happen that reckoning it's like I don't know the world may never know the reckoning hasn't even happened in our black families so it did show about to happen in hip hop wow let's talk about it oh my goodness (laughs) let's talk about it yeah give me goosebumps Kamora Lee Learn from this. We want better, Kamora Lee Simmons. Seriously. You know, I'm a proud supporter of Baby Fat. That's my brand. <laughs> but we, we want better, baby. And I hope all that money situation works out. Mm. Um, so, to the entree of the discussion, Pose. Yes. Pose ended with a two-hour season finale marking the end of its three-season run. <sighs> so, I watched it. You watched it. Mm-hmm. I know you were in your feels. Oh my fucking Me, god! Not too much. No, not too much. What so first did he do first, it for you? I'm sorry. Sorry. My let's bad. let's talk character development, right? Okay. Let's talk character development. Um, have you been watching from the beginning? Absolutely, motherfucking Lulu. Okay, so we're, this is a fair conversation. <laughs> um, I think. <laughs> 
I think not you shading me thinking I didn't see it from the very beginning. Not judging, not judging, not judging. But a lot of people didn't start watching Pose to season two. Copy, copy. Right. I was in the trenches. Right, right. Heard you. Very good. Um, so character development for me was very, I felt limited and rushed. Okay. So when you have a cast of so many LGBTQ plus folk, you know, as stars of the show, it can be very hard to depict and build up each character individually. And I don't think three seasons was enough for that. Yeah. Um, I felt this season they tried to rush in backstories of Electra, of Praetels, and stuff like that. Um, but it's still so many characters we don't know. Yeah. We don't know. We just met Angel's father this season. And that's only because she wanted him to walk down the aisle. Like, that is a crucial part of trans storytelling. The relationship between trans women and their fathers. Mm. You know, it's just like, I, I really feel for the series because it was rushed, in my opinion. And... For me, I think that's what contributed to me not being emotionally attached to their farewell. Copy. Copy. What say you? What say I? Said the pizza, please. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It was wonderful to just exist as an audience member in the universe of Pose. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I do agree. I felt like there could have been storylines and maybe would have been introduced sooner so that we have more of a grounded perspective on the characters themselves um what really did it for me is just the authentic connections between family and community chosen family and blood right and how Mm -hmm. like the story of angel and poppy now having a son right that was very Mm -hmm. touching um pray tell and him going through as an hiv survivor right um Electra. <laughs> First of all, um, what is this actress name? Dominique Tyra. Yes. She needs the fucking Emmy. I'm just gonna say it. Her for me this season was just seeing a side of Electra the character that I was just like, oh my fucking God. Like And baby, she was acting the best she could this season. God bless yo, her. Yo. Love you down, Auntie. It's, um, I don't want to say this is the first time that trans folks have been on TV, but in this capacity where we're finally, when I say we, but community and siblings have a voice that beforehand wasn't, you know, present. And I guess what I'm trying to say is that posed, like you mentioned, opened the door, right? And all of the folks involved in the production, whether it be writers, actors, producers, anyone involved in the projects, I can only hope that they have more opportunities to be part of something like Pose or something totally different. But again, the story centering in queer, trans folk. Peter, please, you don't skip the whole bullet point. We were going to speak about the legacy of Pose at the end, child. We were just oh, supposed to be talking about character development. Shit. My bad. <laughs> You're so thoughtful, okay? So thoughtful. Copy. Um, but I do want to talk about the hair. The hair this season, baby. Let me tell you something. If none of these women get an Emmy for their performances, which I continuously snub them for. Give something to the hair department. The lace frontals on this season of Pose have been top dollar. And I don't know if it was because they know they was wrapping this shit up. But baby, between Blanca and that 13 by 6 wet and wavy Brazilian unit, 
to Electra and a perfectly quaffed. I mean, they gave Electra a brilliant gray streak in the front to symbolize wisdom and also the age and the where we started and where we ended. Like Lulu's hair was always on, except for that Tony Braxton pussycat wig that they rotated. Um, but other than that, the hair this season, my God, my God, I just had to give a shout out to the hair. Um, some of my highlights, though, for the series in a whole was definitely the moments in which MJ and Billy Porter performed. So in season one, you had the redemption of home. Mm-hmm. Um, this this recent season, you had their final lip sync in the water. Oh, you know, I don't want to give too much spoilers. In tears. Oh my but baby, God. Diana Ross was served right and proper, okay, on the floor. Um, so those are definitely my highlights of the series. My lows definitely would be, um, I feel, the killing of Candy. Um, to me personally, I feel like that was rushed. But I, I think it was important for the world to see how fast it happens for us as trans women, right? They think it's this long, drawn-out process from going from sex work to being murdered. But it literally happens within 24, 48 hours for us. Um, and back then in the 80s, it was easier to murder us with no kind of, you know, no kind of punishment behind it. Because we were already seen as disposable. Um, another low for me personally was just the, I think the the tonage of, is this a show about trans folk or is this a show about gay men? Because there was little to none in my opinion, lesbian representation mm. in the show. Little to none. I can't recall a lesbian relationship. Um, so it was it was kinda kinda muddy to me on that end. Um lesbian women were a part of ballroom culture. Still are. So that was that was a little sketchy to me. But you know, what are some of your highlights and lows from the series, Peter? Um I love Candy's Farewell. That was so good. Mm-hmm. That was just... Yeah. I still can't listen to that song for real because she fucked that shit up. <laughs> um, I don't even remember what song. Love Like This by... Um... Oh, I'm going to hell. I don't remember her name. Stephanie Mills. I'm going to film Queen Hell. Stephanie Mills, <laughs> Love Like This before. Um, There was that... Um. When Praytel went back home, that was an interesting episode. Yeah. I will say that was interesting. I, I, I felt it, although part of me knew that the pastor wasn't going to fucking leave town. I, I Not a part of me, a whole part of me knew. If you right. didn't see it, sorry. Spoiler alert. But the pastor was not leaving his family and, and quaint little village to go to big New York City and be open and gay with Pray Tell. That wasn't happening. <laughs> That's how trade do you, baby. No we'll shame. leave you on the bus. <laughs> Nothing has changed. Um, what else? Um, shout out to community, like folks that we know that have been like characters or have just somehow oh, yes. some way made themselves known. Like we just yes. there's a there's a bunch of like on the low just chilling. <laughs> yes. Shout out to my baby B Hawk. Um, shout out to Linda La. For me, I was telling B Hawk, I'm like, yo, it's so weird watching it because I know y'all. So I really can't get into the characters because I know y'all, you know. 
Shout out to Genovia. Shout out to Gia. And shout out to all the many, many. Shout out to Sis, baby. You joined this season and we saw you. They gave you ample airtime. That's one thing. Pose. Shout out to Kelly. Um, shout out to Angelica. Listen, I'll be here all night. But shout out to everyone who knows Miss Mojo. Miss Mojo knows you. Because they definitely, even if you didn't have a speaking role, baby, they gave you some camera time. They gave you some stills that you can use. So shout out to that. <laughs> so st- but those are some good stills. Let's not let's okay. keep it a hundred. Those gifts, once you like set them up right, you're gonna be good. Fabulous, fabulous. Shout out to y'all because that is a beautiful, beautiful shining credential on your resume. Pose effects, y'all did that. So I know you mentioned about the legacy of Pose, and I'll add my little tad bit. Yeah. Um, I think the legacy is that the show was so needed. Um, a part of me has remorse that I wasn't able to be a part of the project. Um, but life happens for a reason. And what's for me is meant for me. Um, but the story was still told nonetheless. Um, I think for being a trans show about trans people and humanizing the trans experience, it definitely opened so many doors. Um, unfortunately, I don't think it didn't, I don't think it opened many doors. And the black community, specifically black entertainment television. Mm-hmm. But the world saw it. And the world is now a little bit more educated. Because you can have the Miss Mojos of the world going to panels on Clubhouse and community, you know, giving these well thought provoked speeches, you know, but it's TV hits different for people, right? I think about the ways in which people didn't know. That they can have respect and love for black people until they watch the Cosby show. Mm. Wow. So TV works. TV works. Um, and my advice to anyone in this community is find your medium, baby, and work it. Because people need to see that we not only have always been here, but we're going to continue to be here. So you better get with the winning team, honey. Because we're not living in the shadows anymore. We're living in the light. And we're doing it right. Bars. So. Album coming soon. You like how Come I did on, that, Ms. right? Mojo. Did you like Come that? On. Come but did on. you like it? <laughs> yeah. All right. So that wraps up our hot topics. Just like that. I just want to say to you, Peter, this is episode four. Okay, very good. Four. Um, I want to just give a shout out to all of our listeners because people are really listening to Mad Black and y'all loving it. Yes, it's a beautiful thing. Um, me and Peter going through the ringer to get y'all this podcast. Okay, the ringer, the ringer, and these COVID um quarantine pandemic times. Listen, but the conversations must be had and. I am so grateful for reunions. I am so grateful for new beginnings. And I'm grateful that the universe saw fit that I, Miss Mojo, can use this mouth in so many powerful ways. Amen. Amen. I heard you snickering over there. Why are you laughing, Peter? Please? Amen. Solo, amen. Amen. <laughs> 
for using my mouth. No, it's nothing wrong. No shade over here. What you talk about? Okay. Very good. Very nothing good. Wrong. Be very good. Oh, and shout out to the soundtrack. Okay, when they dropped that pole soundtrack. Yo. Honey. They had the motherfucking money to license these songs this season. Okay. I'm telling you. That budget? The budget went to the lace fronts and the soundtrack. And it's no shade. And no shade. Like, my God. It was so interesting because, you know, obviously I wasn't dipping in and doing it in the 80s. But I was dipping and doing it in the 90s. So, here's some of my favorite songs to just get the cultural references. You know, it was very, very heartwarming for me. But I hope that whatever comes next serves us even greater than Post did. And I know that, Peter, you personally um, are, you know, exploring your queer identity Mm-hmm. So I thank you for being vulnerable in that and being open okay. about it because people need to hear it. No, for real. People need to hear it. Um, it is a journey for everyone. Yeah. People have this notion that we just wake up and we are this. No, it's the journey. Absolutely. Final words? I'm just, I feel seen. Thank you, Ms. Mojo. Of course, uh, thank my you love. to those that have reached out and personally have said how the podcast has impacted you. I love you. I appreciate you. May you continue to maximize yourself in whatever way that is, self-love, um, self-help. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, just just do not be afraid to be you. And whatever that looks like for you, again, take your time. There's no rubric. There's no, you know, like checkoff list to what it is to be queer and be in your queerness. Mm-hmm. But to be is enough. And I see you. And I just want to emphasize that. So, Miss Mojo, I'm grateful for you. If I already stated, I'm going to say it Better again. I'm very grateful for you. Um, Better be. And, and, and that's it for me. Shit. <laughs> All right, y'all. So make sure y'all come back for the next episode of Mad Black. As always, you know it's going to be popping. You know it's going to be hot. And I can't wait to just reunite with y'all. We love doing this for y'all. It is a labor of love. Don't ever get it twisted. My name is Miss Mojo. This is my partner, Peter. Please, we'll see you next episode. Holla. Peace.